What's going on, everybody? Elliot Shore Parks here with another episode of the Odyssey Training Camp Live Update. Here to talk to you about, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles, who just came off of a brutal and intense two-day stretch of joint practices against the Jets. They're preparing for their preseason finale on Friday night, and then they have to make final cuts by Tuesday. So a crucial few days here for the Eagles as they shape their roster for the 2021 season. And let's kind of take them in that order, right? I mean, the preseason finale, we'll talk about a little bit because not many starters are going to play. But let's talk about the preseason, uh, the joint practices against the Jets. I have all my final training camp stats ready, all tallied up to talk about. And then, of course, we'll go through what I believe is going to be the 53-man roster, kind of talk you through where the toughest cuts are, what some different decisions are they have to make, those type of things. So let's start with their two-day joint practice session against the Jets. Um, I think with with all of you know when you're when you're playing the Jets, the first caveat you have to say is the Jets are not going to be very good, and that certainly came across in the two days. They just don't have a lot of talent. Zach Wilson has a nice arm, but he's a rookie quarterback. Their offensive line is abysmal. They don't have very many good receivers. They don't have very many good running backs. Their tight ends aren't good. On the defensive side of the ball, Quinn Williams in the middle is a very good defensive tackle. C.J. Mosley is a good linebacker, but outside of that. They really don't have much talent on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, on one hand, you say, well, the Eagles should be expected to dominate. But then on the other hand, if you listen to a lot of national people, the Eagles have one of the worst rosters in the league. I mean, some people view them as, you know, 25, 26, 27 when it comes to overall roster talent. So on one hand, yes, they should have dominated. But on the other, this does to me show the idea that the Eagles have one of the worst rosters in the league is just foolish. Like, yeah, the, the, the bottom half of their roster I guess the depth isn't that good. Although one thing people I think need to remember is not many teams are deep in the NFL. Like not many teams can go two, three deep along the offensive line. Not many teams have a really good backup cornerback. Not many teams have a really good backup safety because there just aren't that many elite level players in the NFL. So yeah, if the Eagles suffer multiple injuries, they're not going to be as good, but guess what? The Cowboys won't be as good. The Giants won't be as good. Washington won't be as good if they suffer those injuries. So just talking about the starters, I think it's pretty clear the Eagles have one of the better starting 22s in the NFL off pure talent, and that showed against the Jets. I mean, they just flat out dominated the Jets on both days. There was really only one period of the whole entire practice session where I thought that the Jets got the better of the Eagles, um, and that was during a red zone drill where the Eagles tried to run it in from the two-yard line three times in a row. They weren't able to do it. Quentin Williams kind of blew it up. CJ Mosley blew it up. So if there's one strength of the Jets, it's right up the middle. And the Eagles didn't win that battle. Uh, and, you know, that that's a battle you would hope that they would win with Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, and then when they were going to the right behind Lane Johnson. But it, it didn't happen, and that was not good for the Eagles. And so if they struggle in short yardage this year, maybe that was an indicator of, of things to come. But overall, where the Eagles really dominated was in these 11-on-11 full field drills. And how they normally end practice, so the joint practices, is they go in and they'll do starters versus starters, uh, offense versus defense, and then they'll do the Eagles defense versus the Jets starters uh, on offense as well. So it's a really good indication to look at both, really good chance to look at both sides of the ball. Um, on Tuesday, the first day of joint practices, the Eagles, uh, J Jalen Hurts took them on a nine-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. There were two flags on the drive to kind of aid it, but ultimately they, they were flags. They were fair flags. I mean, one of them was to Jalen Rager. The guy was all over him, uh, and they called a flag there. And then I believe the other one was, was to Dallas Goddard, and they called a flag there as well. So the Jets did commit a penalty. So, yeah, they, they aided the drive, but the Jets did commit a penalty. So 
Nine plays, 75-yard drives. Jalen Hurts looked good on the drive. He really threw the ball a lot better as camp has gone on, and I thought he threw it especially well against the Jets. I've been saying, I would say, for about a week and a half that he's been better throwing the ball, but you see more and more people that have been here every day, other beat writers, starting to say that, yeah, he is doing a better job throwing the ball. So his improvement has been noticeable, I believe, uh, in terms of just as a passer from the pocket. So Jalen Hurts' first day takes him on a nine-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, ends it with a touchdown pass to Jalen Rager, who also had a very good set of practices against the Jets. So that was the offense. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, the first time the Jets went out, they forced a fumble, so it only lasted two plays. Um, you know, you see Jonathan Gannon's insistence on attempting fumbles really starting to pay off. I mean, the Eagles have consistently been forcing fumbles. They did it against the Patriots. They did it against the Jets. And they have forced, I believe, one or two fumbles against the Eagles offense. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but forced fumbles don't really happen in training camp practices. You're not tackling, uh, and sometimes you're not even thudding. So the fact that in the limited times they have thudded, and I don't believe they've done any, done any live drills, the fact that they've gotten so many forced fumbles, I think is a good indication that, that this could end up transferring over to the regular season. So the first Jets drive of the day on Tuesday, they forced a fumble. That's when the Eagles next went down nine plays, 75-yard touchdown drive. Then they put the first-team offense back out, and they simply did that because it was only two plays, and they wanted to do it again. Well, this time they only made it three plays. The Eagles forced the three and out. Um, they might have gone for it on fourth. I forget. They didn't punt, so maybe it was four plays. But regardless, they didn't get a first down, and the, the defense looked really good. And one underrated part of this defense, I think because it was viewed as a weakness for so long, is now the secondary. Like Darius Slay and Steven Nelson have both had good camps. Anthony Harris has had a good camp. Even the starter next to Anthony Harris, it hasn't been McLeod because McLeod's hurt, but Marcus Epps has played well. Kayvon Wallace has played well before he got hurt. Uh, Elijah Riley, when he's had to go in, has played well. He had an interception in the preseason game. So their defensive secondary, Avante Maddox looks good at nickel. Their defensive secondary has been very good. And that showed against the Jets on day one. All right, day two. Day two, it was a lot of red zone, a lot of third down. It, that the, um, Wednesday was the day where that drill, where they couldn't get it in from two yards out three times in a row. That's where that happened. But outside of that, they were pretty good in the red zone. There was a stretch where Jalen Hurts hit Zach Ertz in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Then on the next play, they ran the old Andy Reid shovel pass where he flipped it off to Dallas Goddard, and he got it in for a touchdown. So they did have some good moments in the red zone. There was a, I believe it was Miles Sanders caught a touchdown pass on a little, just a little short pass um, in the corner of the end zone. Good job by him catching the ball. He, he's gotten a little better with that, but if I remember correctly, he did have another drop against the, the Jets. So he's up to four uh, in training camp. Not great, but look, he's such a dynamic player. You really have no choice but to, to put him out there and just hope that the drop stops because you can't not put him out there. So overall, uh, I thought they were good in the red zone. The The real like best part of practice to me over the two days was the final team drill, 11 on 11, just like Tuesday. But this time they, they did situational football. They started at the 25-yard line, so 25 yards out this time, not, not at their own 25. They were at the, op, the opposition's 25-yard line. 40 seconds left, down eight. So they needed the, two, the touchdown and the two-point conversion. And this is where the Eagles really shined. So the Eagles offense got the ball first. Jalen Hurts, uh, the first play was a little check down. Second play, rolls out to his right. Um, the world's pressure in his face, which we'll get to in a second. But he rolls out to his right with pressure in his face, throws a ball on the run to Quez Watkins in the back of the end zone. High pass, Watkins went up, got it, came down, got his feet in bounds, called it a touchdown. So second play, touchdown. But 
the Jets, and I, you know, the Eagles seem to disagree with it, but the Jets said that they felt they sacked Jalen Hurts. And so they redid the play, and that play did not count. So on second down, Jalen Hurts gets another short completion to the sideline. And then two plays later, he hits Greg Ward over the middle, who runs it in for a touchdown. So they really kind of had two touchdowns in this drive, even though one was a sack. They really kind of were able to score two touchdowns. And then for the two-point conversion, Jalen Hurts drops back, rolls to his left this time, and hits Devontae Smith in the back of the end zone. And it was good to see Devontae get involved. Since he's been coming back from that injury, he hasn't had many targets. He hasn't I, – I think he's had one or two catches in team drills since coming back, but he certainly hasn't been as involved as he was prior. And you could kind of see the, like, excitement of – from him of like getting a big catch again, even though it was in practice. And they were very intense practices. Like you could tell from the sidelines that both teams were super into it. Uh, the Eagles were going wild after, after everything. So they definitely wanted to win this session. Um, the pass to Devonte, it was in the back of the end zone. He kind of like shook his guy loose, but then he was still pretty tight coverage. I would say the guy was like kind of all over him. I was on their side of the field. So it was a little hard to see, but it looked like the coverage was definitely tight. Devonte held on to it got up, kind of spiked the ball, celebrated, and uh, his teammates celebrated with him. So the Eagles got the touchdown, got the two-point conversion. Next, the Eagles' defense goes up against the Jets' offense. Same situation, 25 yards out, 40 seconds to go, down eight, um, and the Jets couldn't get anything going. The first pass that they completed to was to the sideline, but the guy didn't get out of bounds, so the clock ran. Um, they completed another short one, and then I think they're fine. I think they completed one pass over the middle that got them a little closer, maybe to like the 10 or the 15 around there. But then after that, they were done. They didn't get anything else. So the Eagles defense held them out as well. So Eagles starters versus Jets starters, Eagles flat out dominated that drill. Then, you know, this is like kind of how bad it was. And even, you know, again, I started this talking about the depth on the ball. The Eagles backups outplayed the Jets backups. Now, again, you would hope. against the Jets defense, second string defense. Joe Flacco hit Jack Stoll in the back of the end zone. A really great throw, really great catch for the touchdown. And the whole team went wild. I mean, literally, like, I would say 20 players ran from the sideline and just, like, mobbed Jack Stoll, and they were, like, jumping up and down and celebrating and everything. And it sounds silly because it's a practice, but it is an intense joint practice. And for Nick Sirianni, who's really, really preached needing to have competition – and wanting to have like a family atmosphere, like the, I think those things matter. I mean, when when Sirianni was hired, he was showing highlights of his offense from the Colts, and he was pointing out things like, look at all the players celebrating together in the end zone together, or look at the practice squad guys running over to that tight end after he made the catch. And I do think that matters. It's been so ugly around the Eagles the last year, and not that the players didn't like each other, but just like failed expectations, injuries, those type of things. You can see that the players feel like refreshed and like they're having fun. I think that matters. So the Eagles definitely won the two days against the Jets. They, of course, moved to a very impressive 4-0 in joint practices. Been joking about that this week, but in some ways, it's it's not a joke. I mean, they have been the better team by a wide margin both times they've gone against teams. They look way better than the Patriots in joint practices and way better than the Jets. And people will say, well, they didn't look good in the preseason game. Well, that's because in the preseason game, they're playing all second and third stringers, even four stringers, really. And they're not running any of their offense. Like the Eagles are actively trying to not win these preseason games. They are okay looking bad in the preseason games. And you have to understand that going into the game. You can't say, oh, they lost 35-0. This team's not going to be that good. 
What happens in those games do not matter. Now, being outscored 52 to nothing over six quarters, like that's impressive tanking. That's impressive trying to lose. But I still think that is mildly concerning, right? Because even though they're not running their offense, the other team isn't either. The other team's also playing backups and they're losing. So on one hand, I, I don't think the score matters, but I mean, like 52, nothing, like if it was 30 to 15 or something like that, then I'd be like, whatever. But 52, nothing gets to the point where it's like, all right, that's, that's a little bit alarming. So um, the, the two preseason games now in the books, the joint practices now in the books, training camp now in the books. I have all my training camp stats. Um, I tracked, wow, I looked it up today. It was, let's see, 967 team drills. So that's what my life has been over the last month, <laughs> tracking, uh, tracking team drills. All right, Jalen Hurts finishes training camp, 215 out of 297, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. He got all 468 reps with the first team offense. So there was no competition. Flacco got no reps at all with the first team offense. 215 out of 297 is a good completion rate. I still think accuracy wise, he was probably in the low B's just because he did miss throws that I think he should have made, but he also made a number of impressive throws. So it was, it was a mixed bag. I mean, he was mostly inconsistent is how you would describe it. But you know, if he goes 215 to 297 in the regular season, that'll be different. But in a training camp, especially because I included seven on sevens in these, he should be, he should have a higher completion percentage. So um, 22 touchdowns, also a little bit low. He wasn't that good in the red zone to start camp. And I actually think a good indication of where you can see growth with him was the first day of training camp, all red zone, pretty much five of 14, two touchdowns, one interception, not good. Last day of training camp, also predominantly red zone against another team. So it's tougher. Now the jets kind of suck, but regardless, you're still going against another team, 13 to 17, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Like that's improvement right there. Right there, you can see the improvement uh, with Jalen Hurts. So that, that's what he finished with. I can tell you Flacco's stats, 166 out of 241, three interceptions, 338 reps, all second team, 17 touchdowns. Um, he improved as, as camp went on. I remember the first few days, kind of the narrative was, man, Joe Flacco looks really bad. But he looked a lot better as it went on. As I mentioned, he had that really nice touchdown pass to Jack Stoll. He had another really nice touchdown pass. Uh, I believe it was uh, in the practice prior to the Jets, but he's looked better and better. And could they win with Joe Flacco? Look, I don't think you want to win with Joe Flacco. The only way you would want to win with Joe Flacco is if you're winning throughout the year, Jalen Hurts misses a game and you need that win. But like if Jalen Hurts goes down in week four, I would rather just have the high draft pick at that point if he's going to miss the rest of the season. That being said, look, if Sirianni wants, if Sirianni, if it helps Sirianni to win, I can see that argument too. But could they win with Flacco? Flacco, I think, still looks like he can play. He's just extremely not mobile. So the offensive line would have to be very good. The running game would have to be very good. But he can still throw it. He still makes good decisions. Only three interceptions and 241 attempts. Um, and he doesn't put the ball in harm's way very often. So I would say Flacco overall had a, had a pretty good training camp. Nick Mullins, I'll read it quickly. I know nobody cares. 94 out of 120, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, only 161 reps. They definitely started to play him less and less as camp went on. It went from him getting 15 reps of practice to getting like four or five. So Mullins won't be making the team, and it'll be Flacco and Hurts, obviously a quarterback. All right, running backs. Miles Sanders had the most touches of all the running backs, 95 total touches, made it out of camp healthy, which is the most important. He had 67 carries, 28 catches. His 28 catches was second most on the team. His 67 carries was buying away the, the most on the team. 67 carries was number one. Jordan Howard had 40 carries. 
Boston Scott had 36 carries. Kenny Gainwell had 25. But the catches is where it was a little more even. As I mentioned, Miles Sanders, 28 catches. Boston Scott, 26 catches. Kenny Gainwell, 32 catches. And then Jordan Howard, only 15. So those are going to be your top four running backs. Those are the guys that are going to be making the roster. I don't even know if they're going to keep Jason Huntley at this point. I used to think he had a chance, but now he's just, he's not involved very much. And he was hurt, which obviously hurt his chances of, of making the roster because he wasn't able to, to get out there and play. So he'll play on Friday night. He's probably one of the players that has the most to gain. If he can really look good and the Eagles worry that he might get uh, picked up on waivers, maybe they keep him, but ultimately there's just not really a roster spot for him. So when we go through the different positions, you'll see that uh, wide receivers. All right, Jalen Rager ended up with the most targets at 40. He had 22 catches, so a bit of a low catch uh, percentage there. Two touchdowns, two drops. He improved as camp went on dramatically. The fact that he ended camp with the most targets was really wild uh, to me because not only did he miss the first few days, he just wasn't that involved uh, the, the, you know, the first few days he did return. So he definitely improved. He's clearly going to start. The starting receivers are going to be him, Devontae Smith, and uh, Quez Watkins. Um, Greg Ward, number two on the team with 32 targets, 27 catches, so a much higher catch percentage now. He's catching easier passes. Most of his passes are short and over the middle, whereas Reger, they tried to hit him deep a little bit more. He ends with three touchdowns, no drops. I think he's going to make the team. There's a small part of me that doesn't want to call him a lock, but I think he's going to make the team. Like I would put it at like 95%. Shall we talk about Travis Fulgham? Uh Travis Fulgham, probably the worst camp of all the receivers, 30 targets, only 15 catches. So 50% catch, uh, catch percentage, the lowest on the team and like kind of by a wide margin. I mean, 22 of 40, Jalen Reger just missed it, but I don't know, man, 15 catches on 30 targets, no touchdowns, two drops for a guy that started camp as a starter. Now part of that's due to injury, but he still started as a starter. To now he was playing to the fourth quarter of the last preseason game. He's getting mostly second team reps. And it'll be really interesting to see how much he plays on Friday night. Because if he's out there into the fourth quarter of this game, like that's a very bad sign for him. I know they're not super deep receivers, but you can put Patton out there. You can put Mar uh, Markin Michael, I'm going to mispronounce his name, out there. You can do anything. But if you think that Fulgham's one of your guys that's going to matter in week one, then he shouldn't be out there late in the game. So watch for how much he plays. Um Let's see what else. Uh, Devontae Smith, 12 catches on 18 targets, four touchdowns. Again, he was not – he was he missed like probably 10 or 11 practices. So maybe not that much. He probably missed eight or nine practices. But in the beginning of camp for the first four days, he had, I believe, 12 targets um, and three touchdowns. So he was super involved the first few days. It was really the last few days uh, where he was slow to come back. Um, he wasn't as involved after he came back. Now – Will that carry into the regular season? I'd be surprised. He was a leading receiver for targets in their preseason game against the Patriots. So I think he will see him very involved. But, I mean, 12 catches for all of training camp is just not ideal. Uh, but the four touchdowns is good. And they used him a lot in the red zone, which you wouldn't think just because of his size that he would be super involved in the red zone. But he was. All right, tight ends. Zach Ertz had a very good camp. Dallas Goddard had, I think, like, for not getting a lot of attention, he had an extremely good camp. 50 targets, 43 catches, eight touchdowns. Uh, he had the most targets, most catches, most touchdowns of anybody in camp. Zach Ertz was right behind him, 43 catches, 32 targets, two touchdowns. So 10 total touchdowns from their tight ends combined. I don't think they're going to trade Ertz, but another reason I would not trade Ertz, outside of the fact you're just a better 
team with him there is that like you've now spent an entire training camp using him as a big part of your offense. You have now used an entire training camp with him as a big part of your offense. And then to trade him would be a complete waste of time. Last year, they had Nate Sudfeld take, I think, like 200 reps as backup quarterback. He was then not the backup from week two on. So it was a complete waste of time to give him all those reps. You could have given Jalen Hurts all those reps and he would have been better. Same thing goes for for tight end. Like Jalen Hurts is getting a ton of reps with Zach Hurts. The team's getting a ton of reps with Zach Hurts. And so to just move him for nothing, and presumably you're not going to get a ton, but unless you're getting like a high-level asset, like third-round pick, uh, a really good starting caliber player in return, I would not trade Zach Ertz. I think you've put enough work in with him where he's worth keeping. All right. Here's where my current 53-man roster stands. I'll run through it real quick. Um, let me pull it up. All right. I think they're only going to keep, keep two quarterbacks. It'll be Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. At running back, I think Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, Jordan Howard are the four that will make it. As I said, Huntley potentially, but right now I don't have him sticking on. At receiver, Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, Quez Watkins. I do think they keep Arcega Whiteside, and I do think they keep Fulgham, but it would not it wouldn't surprise me at all if either it would it wouldn't surprise me at all if Fulgham was Fulgham was released. It would surprise me a little bit if Arcega Whiteside was released. Tight end, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Tyree Jackson. I have Richard Rodgers on there. Now they could they could cut him and then re-sign him after final cuts if they want to get guys through and put them on pup. But and they're gonna need him week one. I mean, I don't know. I have him on there, but I could see him being released. All right, offensive line. Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Sayamalu, Jordan Mailata, Andre Dillard, Jack Driscoll, Sue Opeta, Matt Pryor, Nate Herbig. Biggest questions here are whether or not they put Landon Dickerson on pup or whether they trade Andre Dillard. So those are going to be two key roster spots. We'll have to see what they do there. Defensive tackle. I had them going pretty light right now. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargraves, Marlon Tua Pelotu. He has not a good camp, but he was just drafted. They're thin at defensive tackle. And the guys that they could cut, like McGill and Ridgeway, you can just sign them right after you cut them, whereas Marlon would have to go through waivers. So that would probably be a little worrisome to the Eagles. All right, defensive end. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Ryan Kerrigan, Josh Webb, Milton Williams. Easy decisions there. They're all going to make it. They're all going to play, and they should have a really good year. Linebacker, the tough call is whether or not they keep Patrick Johnson. Earlier in the year, I would have said that was not a tough call, but I have them keeping Eric Wilson, Alex Singleton, TJ Edwards, Davion Taylor, Sean Bradley, Jannard Avery. I wouldn't keep Davion Taylor, but they are going to keep Davion Taylor, so he'll be on the roster. All right, cornerback. Darius Slay, Steve Nelson, Avante Maddox, Zach McPherson, Josiah Scott, Michael Jaquette. Jaquette to me is going to make the roster because let's say in a game, Darius Slay goes down. Like you could slide Avante outside and then put Josiah Scott in there. You could put Zach McPherson there, but Jaquette has experience in, you know, going against really good receivers. He didn't do great, but he has experience doing it. And I think he could be their top backup on outside. McPherson just doesn't look ready yet. All right. Safety, Anthony Harris, Marcus Epps, Kayvon Wallace, Rodney McLeod, Elijah Riley, Small chance McLeod starts the year on Pup. I don't think he will. I think Riley makes it both for special teams and because, honestly, he might be a better option at safety next to Anthony Harris than Kayvon Wallace's. So I think they keep him. And then, obviously, special teams, Jake Elliott, the punter, Arian Sippos, and Rick Lovato. So that's where I have my 53-man right now. Friday night, look out for guys like Arcega Whiteside, like Elijah Riley, like Travis Fulgham, like Jason Huntley, guys that I think have a chance to still potentially earn a roster spot or at least need to hold on to it. So thanks to everyone that listened. 
throughout training camp. Training camp is one of my favorite times of year. And I really appreciated the chance to get to talk with you guys every week. Um, you can keep following, keep listening. Odyssey Sports is going to have great content throughout the year. 94 to BIP will have all your Eagles coverage you need. Thank you so much, everybody. And I will talk to you guys soon.